We call it Sim Music. What's up, Sim Music Nation? Before we start our final episode of season two, I want to say thank you. I appreciate everyone who tuned into a Stim Music Christmas this past Friday. I had so much fun singing all of those Christmas songs. I also want to say thank you to everyone who generously donated to the Stim Music Book Scholarship GoFundMe. Because of you, we will be providing three book scholarships to three graduating high school seniors who will be headed to college to pursue a STEM degree. The application for the STEM Music Book Scholarship will be available on our website in February of 2021. Thank you so much, STEM Music Nation, for supporting this podcast. I appreciate everyone who takes a moment out of their day to listen. Let's jump into episode 17 right now. We call it STEM Music indeed. Welcome to the STEM Music Podcast, where we highlight multicultural STEM professionals and the music they love. I'm your host, Roy Moy III, and today we have an amazing guest on the podcast, y'all. She comes from the E in STEM, so engineering. She holds a Bachelor's of Science and Master's of Science in Chemical Engineering. For 17 years, our guests contributed to helping people through pharmaceuticals by serving in technical positions in manufacturing plants and labs. She is now serving in a business role and is setting business strategy for her company. Recently, she was named as an American Association for the Advancement of Science If Then Ambassador, which means she is featured in the largest digital library of women in STEM made available to schools and museums across the country. Also, along with that honor, she has a full-size 3D printed statue of herself being exhibited in Chicago's International Museum of Surgical Sciences. She literally has a statue of herself, Stim Music Nation. Incredible. She was also named a 2020 Million Woman Mentors Community Trailblazer. And recently, she was nominated for a 2020 Woman of the Year in STEAM Award. And Stim Music Nation, I am happy to report that just a couple of days ago, she won that award being named Woman of the Year in Engineering by the Atlanta-based organization Women in Technology. STEM Music Nation, please help me welcome chemical engineer, businesswoman, inventor, yes, she has some patents out there, y'all, and STEM diversity advocate, Paula Garcia Todd to the STEM Music Podcast. Welcome, Paula. So honored to have you on today. What an introduction. That is amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And I would like for you to just be my walking resume from now on. <laughs> You're so welcome. I just, you know, I, I'm so inspired every time I, I get to do this. Like the fact that I get to do this with so many incredible guests and, and coming across guests like yourself, you know, we've, Stim Music Nation, we've kind of been uh, bumping into each other on social media. And so, you know, I've seen her post, she's seen my post, and we're just in this STEM community together of outreach. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, when you reached out, I was like, man, I had no idea. You know, you're just out there in social media land, you know, seeing everybody doing their stuff, but knowing and, and learning a little bit more about what you've done and what you're doing. Uh, is incredible. And congratulations on that award. I was so excited because I know in the pre-interview uh, form, it was like, you know, cross our, cross our fingers, hopefully you get it. And you did, which is awesome. So I'm so happy. Yeah, it's you. wild. It's wild. Thank you so much. And uh, 
yeah, it's, it's funny that you talk about, you know, social media because um, I've been following you and I think you're doing amazing things and I am just honored um, that, you know, you're taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much, Roy. You're so welcome. So as we always do, Stim Music Nation, you already know, we jump into this podcast interview, just trying to figure out how our guests got into STEM. So Paula, when you know you were young, you mentioned that you were kind of in a family of STEM per se. So tell us, how did you get into STEM? So I, you know, I always tell people I was incredibly lucky to grow up in a family of engineers. Uh, for sure, there were a lot of nerdy conversations around the <laughs> dinner table, but um, to grow up in an environment where you're seeing it every day. My, my dad was an engineer, my grandfather, my uncles, and my brothers were engineers. And, um, you know, as a, as a young child, they, I didn't know the specifics, but okay. it was very clear to me that engineers were doing amazing things. They were solving problems. You know, it, it was a very impactful career. And so, um, you know, I, I grew up in an environment where people never asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. They always asked what types of problems I wanted to solve and what type uh, of engineer I would consider becoming. So it was just a very natural progression, obviously, to, to consider engineering, even though I'm the first female engineer in my family, wow. um, you know, but, but having that encouragement, that, that optimism, that, that I could fix anything in the world, I, I mean, it, it was a given, um, you know, it, it just made sense for me to pursue that as well. So, so that's how I ended up going into engineering. Now, in terms of choosing which type of engineering, I chose chemical because I have a passion for pharmaceuticals. Um, and that passion really stems from wanting to help people. Nice. Um, I thought maybe growing up, I, I could become a doctor, but honestly, I faint at the sight of blood. Okay. So I was like, this, is, this isn't going to work out. Right? Yeah. So the next best alternative for me was really um, going into the pharmaceutical space. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I knew I wanted to do pharmaceuticals, which I've been blessed to, to be able to have had this amazing career, always in the pharmaceutical space. Um, and that's why I you know, out of all the different engineering uh, majors out there, I, I pursued chemical in particular because of that. That is, that's really cool. And it's awesome to have another uh, chemical engineer on the podcast. Um, the, the last one we had uh, was episode two, and they were more in the um, food industry. So they were like at General Mills, like doing different things with uh, cereal and stuff. And so it just is very, it's so cool to see the gamut that just even within chemical engineering, like the opportunities that you can have um, in industry. And so you being on the pharmaceutical side of things. And so um, I really want to go back to that, you know, you sh shared such an incredible story about how you were just in this family of engineers um, who are always like, what problem do you want to solve? And, you know, a part of that time period of your life, though, was you also being an immigrant and coming from uh, Brazil. And so I, I love that aspect of your story. And I'd love for you to share that with Stim Music Nation of what that was like, maybe the time you spent in Brazil to the time that you, you, you know, came to the United States and how that process came about. Yeah. So um, I, I have a, a little bit of a, a multicultural background, so to speak, in that my parents are actually from Chile. Um, mm -hmm. My whole family is from Chile. And uh, my father being a mechanical engineer, moved to Brazil, um, you know, in, in search of a, a better job opportunity. And wow. so they settled in Brazil for several years. And I was born there. Um, but, 
you know, as I like to say, I, I have a Chilean heart with Brazilian blood in it because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a mix, right? And then at the age of nine, I came to the U.S. and yeah. uh, I didn't speak a word of English, nothing. Um, my parents taught me how to say, hi, my name is Paula and I'm from Brazil. And first day of school, my mom took me to, to the elementary school and she said, you're going to hate me right now, but someday you're going to thank me. I'm going to drop you off and I will be here at three o'clock to pick you up at the end of the day. Good luck. And I was like, what? Wow. Oh man. That's intense. Yeah. It's so intense. Um, but you know, she was absolutely right. I mean, I really struggled for the first couple of weeks, but because I didn't have anybody to rely to and, and help translate things, I had to learn English very quickly mm -hmm. and it forced me to do it. Um, and I don't remember specifics, but people say that, you know, within a few months I was communicating, you know, with, with classmates and teachers and I was getting it. And, uh, and yeah, like what, what a lesson to learn at a young age um, that, you know, sometimes these difficult situations that you run into really do help you grow the most, you know, and that was certainly the case for me, um, you know, as a young girl coming to a new country. So, you know, it's a language and a cultural integration that you yeah. go through, right? And, and learning that culture. Um, it's funny because even today, like, it's hard for me to place myself. For sure, I'm Americanized. I've been here for a long time. Um, it's hard for me to say that I'm truly Brazilian because I don't have a Brazilian family per se. I mean, we right. speak more Spanish at home. Even though Portuguese was my first language, um, it's hard for me to say that I'm Chilean because I've never lived in Chile, even though we visit quite often and all of my family is there, right? So I'm wow. I'm, I'm kind of a mix. I'm somewhere in between of, of it all. I, I, I totally, and, and you know, I totally understand that. And I didn't even know that. Like, so I'm thinking like, okay, Portuguese. And so I was, you answered my question that I yeah. had, cause I was like, was it Portuguese and then Spanish or Spanish? And then, you know, I didn't even know the Chilean part of your family being from Chile and you being Chilean. So that's, yeah. wow, that is quite a mix. And I, I honestly, um, I understand maybe in a different way, but um, being half black, a quarter Puerto Rican and a quarter Mexican. So it's like a whole uh, mixture of things as well for me. Um, so I, I understand that feeling though of like, well, I'm not enough this or that, and I'm not fluent in Spanish. I'm actually taking Spanish lessons right now. I could survive if I was in a Spanish speaking country, but, um, you know, I'm just, I, I want to be fluent. And so, you know, on the Latino side of things, if you don't speak Spanish, it's kind of like an automatic, like, okay, you're not one of us, you know, but you are. <laughs> It's a whole thing. So I totally understand right. that, that feeling of just like not maybe not having, uh, you know, fitting in or having that one solid community like, yes, this is where I'm from and what who I'm representing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, I, I also feel that um, although that feeling can be a little disconcerting at times, um, I think that feeling makes me very adaptable in a lot mm -hmm. of situations. Like I feel yes. comfortable around, you know, different people and in different cultures and different countries. Um, I, you know, I, I think it, it helps in a sense, yes. um, you know, so it's not would, all bad. It's, it's not, I would, I would a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, the feeling at times, especially I would say when I was younger, um, you know, in high school and early college years, like just feeling like, what in the world? Like, where, where do I fit in in all this? Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. Like growing up, you know, you know, becoming a professional, even like just being able to use that to our advantage of how you adapt and how you are able to 
um, compartmentalize things. And yeah, I think it's a, a great thing to have. I always say it's the best of three worlds for me. Like I always say that because it's like, yeah, there's good food, good music, good people. I mean, it's just a whole yeah, you know, culture. Absolutely. It's amazing. So no, that's that's great. Yeah. And I think other people listening, you know, might have similar a similar story, especially the, uh, you know, immigrant part. And it's funny because I'm not an immigrant, but I was born in Germany. And, um, you know, I don't really remember that because I was so young when I came to the States. But I also it's funny, you were telling your story and I'm like, wait, you actually weren't born in the U.S. and you came to the U.S. But I just was so young and didn't really remember that. You know, you were nine. I was three weeks old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's amazing. That's yeah. Amazing, too. It's, it's very weird. Sometimes I always for, forget that, you know, especially when people talk about like back pre-COVID times when people would take trips to Europe, you know, for vacation. I'm like, oh man, I would love to go to Europe one day. And it's like, fam, your life started in Europe. <laughs> That's right. You came from Europe. <laughs> so it's funny. That's but funny. so so as you begin to grow older, you know, it's really cool that you had that community. You had that family that was um, already kind of in the world of STEM and, and even more specifically within the engineering world. Um, I'm assuming that as you grew grew through middle school and high school, you were taking courses that kind of helped you on that trajectory to, you know, begin your uh, time in college as an engineering student. So were there specific courses that you remember or things that you feel like really, you know, shaped your path to, you know, entering college to start majoring in chemical engineering? Yeah. So, you know, without a doubt, I would, you know, sometimes I say like nerd runs in my DNA with all these engineers, right? Like math always came very naturally to me. Gotcha. Um, and I was in middle school and uh, it was in sixth grade. I, you know, I, they take like the, you, you take like placement tests mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. figure out where you are in terms of math levels and so forth. And I placed extremely high um, and they called my parents in and they said, Hey, um, scored really high, but we think maybe there's a mistake because we've never had a Hispanic student score this high. Wow. And uh, my parents were very taken back. And, um, you know, my father being an engineer said, listen, um, if she's good at math, I don't care what you say, put her in the high math because, uh, you know, she's taken after me. She's going to do it. Um, And he was absolutely right. So how lucky I was to have parents that, again, had that STEM background and could advocate for me and and push for me to carry forward because I can see that as being a situation where, you know, maybe another parent would have said, well, you know, maybe this math would be too hard for her. Maybe we shouldn't push her, you know? Um, So, so yeah, I I was lucky that my parents really advocated for me and, um, and I was able to start on a a high math trajectory, which really helped, you know? That's so critical. We were just talking to me and a friend were just talking about this the other day that, um, when it comes to trying to get more diverse students into STEM, like that's such a critical point in the journey because, you know, a lot of times, especially students from multicultural backgrounds whose parents may not be in the STEM world, they don't understand that that's where a lot of it can start, that, that those placement tests at sixth yes. and seventh grade. And so you're exactly right. I, I When I reflect back on my journey, I I randomly, and I, I've never been strong in math. This math has actually not been something that I've loved, but I happened to score the right number or whatever in seventh grade, which was the year we took the, the math placement test, which then put me on the trajectory to get to calculus by senior year 
That was in That's seventh right. grade, just like you said, for you in sixth That's grade. Right. And I just happened to test. I think you had to get a C and above. And I think I got a C plus or something like that, you know, so I just happened to do that. And then it put me on this trajectory, you know, not knowing, you know, I didn't knowingly do that. And so it's so crucial for students, you know, if, if parents are listening to this right now, like that's such a crucial moment, because unfortunately, if you're wanting to go into uh, a lot of STEM uh, majors in college, you need that, that high level of math, right? It might put you behind the, the eight ball when you get into college to be like, oh, you got to get to this certain level of math, you know? So, man, that's so cool to hear that you, you know, your parents were there. And it is also so frustrating to hear that scenario because unfortunately it happens too often. It's like, what? You're Latina, you're black, you're what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we don't know. And it's like, no, we're, we're capable as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you hit it on the nose because um, sometimes people start thinking about it too late in high school and it really mm -hmm. starts at the middle school level to make sure that you can get to the, the higher level of math, right? I mean, experiencing calculus for the first time in college um, is got to be intimidating when yes. you're in a classroom with, you know, other engineering majors that have had it in high school and feel right. comfortable around it. And, you know, um, so yeah, really important to, to start early. Yeah, that's Man, I 100% agree with that. So, you know, obviously you're identifying different um, courses and, and specifically math that you you had to take and progress in as you were going through middle school and high school. And so um, you said that you, you chose chemical engineering because you wanted to help people. And so I'm curious, was that choice made your junior year of high school, freshman year of high school? How did you get to that point of, okay, this is actually what I want to do. And then Talk to us about that transition into your collegiate years and specifically about how a master's kind of was woven into your bachelor's program. I, I, I love that uh, part of your story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, very lucky that um, although my parents didn't go to university here, I had two older brothers that did. Okay, um, okay. And I visited them for a summer and I got to follow them around and see what they were doing. My oldest brother is an electrical engineer. My middle brother is a chemical engineer. And uh, I got, you know, I got really interested in the things that my middle brother was doing within his, the chemical engineering department. And okay. um, I would say that was close to my sophomore or junior year in high school. And so, um, yeah, to your point, so junior year, senior, year, I was really focused on, you know, I, I was doing really well on the math side, taking physics, things like that. But then I really started to focus on the chemistry. So taking AP chemistry and I even took organic chemistry in oh, high wow. school, which was wow. super helpful, super helpful. Yeah. And so having that exposure from my brother, I would say was really critical because then it allowed me to make the right decisions in the classes that, you know, once I got into college, you know, that making that transition was a lot easier because now I was seeing a lot of subjects that I'd seen in high school. So it feels more comfortable, right? Sure. Um, before you get into the chemical engineering classes. Um, and so the other interesting aspect of it too, is that having these two brothers that did the graduate school route, I learned a little bit about research. And so very early on, I took up an interest in just trying to get an understanding of what research is really like, what's it like to go into a lab and study something. So my sophomore year, um, I started talking to, or just trying to understand what different professors were studying. And I talked to a couple just to understand what they had happening in their labs and so forth. And I just 
casually asked, you know, could I start doing research, you know, as early as my sophomore year? Um, and they took me in. I had a, a professor who was doing some really cool things in biotech. We were genetically engineering uh, different plants uh, to produce therapeutic proteins or, you know, that eventually would become medicine. And I, I thought it was the coolest thing. And so I started doing undergraduate research with him my sophomore year. And I was really into it. I was doing a lot of work. So by the time I hit my senior year, he pulled me aside and he said, listen, you have enough for a master's thesis. So I know this wasn't in your plan. Wow. But if we think about this, if you stay an extra year, take the master's classes, finish out your, you know, your research, write your thesis, defend it. You could graduate in five years with a bachelor's and a master's. And I was like, wow, this just feels like a no brainer. I, sh I should just do it. So that's what I did. It was the, I have to admit that last year was crazy. It was crazy taking graduate level courses, wrapping up the research, writing a thesis. It was a lot happening in a year, but I look back on it and I'm so thankful that I did it. Right. Because then in a five-year period, I, I just graduated with both degrees. It was awesome. That's it was an awesome opportunity. That's incredible. And, and I'm so glad you, you shared that because, you know, there's, you know, students out there right now who might be listening and saying, okay, what do I want to do something, you know, professionally right after I graduate, or, you know, might I want to go right into a master's and to have an option potentially like this at their own university, if they are doing what I think you highlighted so well, you said you casually asked, however, it was in, in it, there was an intention behind that casual ask. And I, I love that because it just speaks to you creating your own opportunity. And um, I'm such a big proponent of that. And so there are, you know, potentially students listening to this, that's like, oh, maybe I'm a sophomore right now and I can go ask, right? And see if there are research opportunities and how that might translate into um, a, a master's degree. Um, and I know some universities structure it like that starting out uh, from jump, but you know, that's really cool and awesome story and, and great initiative on your part to just say, hey, I'm interested in, in something and I want to pursue that. And, you know, shout out to the professors, you know, who were who were open to helping you along that journey. Um, so that's really cool. That's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, something that you start to realize as you're as you start getting into these classes is that a lot of these classes are teaching you the theory behind the calculations and, mm -hmm. and why the calculations are important, but you don't really get a feel for what it's like to work in that space until you get some type of experience, whether that's in a lab or an internship or a co-op. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm just a big supporter of, you know, having those experiences because even if you hate it, even if I had walked into that lab and hated it, you know, after doing research for a semester, man, that's something I can cross off my list, right? Like I already know that is not the path I want exactly. to take. I to do something else, right? And so whether you love it or hate it, especially in college and, and even, you know, within your career, it's worthwhile to take risks and try new things and experience new things and figure out the things that you like and, and that you don't. 
you know? That's very powerful. We, we've highlighted that on here before, but it's it's something that needs to be said. And, and hopefully, um, especially for professionals, young professionals listening to this, to be reminded that, you know, it's okay to identify the things that you don't like and try to find that pathway to the things that you do like. Um, but for college students, definitely, same here. I'm a huge supporter of internships, co-ops, you know, research, just trying to get experience before you um, graduate to be able to help you decide which trajectory you want to take for your professional career um, and what you want to be doing. And so uh, in speaking about, you know, that trajectory in, in your professional career. So a- as you started out in industry, and as we mentioned at the beginning of your intro, 17 years in the pharmaceutical um, uh, industry, what was some of that work um, that you were able to accomplish and, you know, kind of what was that transition like from, okay, you had this crazy additional year where you're doing research and writing a thesis and finishing up classes. And then how did you translate and and transition, should I say, into industry? And then, you know, maybe walk us through some of the things you got to do before we get into the, the pivot of you going into business. Yeah, so I came out of school, and the very first job that I took is what I would call the classical chemical engineering job. So for those that don't know, the major difference between chemistry and chemical engineering is that, you know, chemistry, a lot of chemistry is happening at what we call bench scale or um, bench top. So it's, you're making small amounts of these new molecules. And it takes a chemical engineer to take that process and scale it up. So you're doing the same processes, the same chemical reactions, but you're doing it at a much larger scale. So at the end, you've got metric tons of materials that you can sell and and, and get out to the people that need it, right? And so my first role was that, right? It was taking these chemical processes from lab scale to pilot plant, from pilot plant to commercial scale, that is the classic chemical engineering job, hard hat, steel-toed shoes, uh, you know, working in manufacturing, which was really a, a, a great, great experience. So um, I did that for several years where I was taking processes that are creating active pharmaceutical ingredients, okay. um, scaling them up. And then about three years in, um, I kind of got an itch that, you know, I really enjoyed that ex- that research experience I had in college and um, luckily working for a, a large chemical company, there are a lot of different opportunities. I, I kind of wanted to make that pivot back into R&D. So I went into an R&D type of role where I was working in the lab, developing new molecules um, specifically for drug delivery. Okay. Um, and, yeah. And uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, I was, I was, you know, learning a ton, um, you know, to, to your point that you mentioned in the intro, I, I got a couple of patents out of the work that I was doing. It, it was really cool and fulfilling, but I felt like I was missing a piece. Okay. And the piece that I didn't quite understand is here I am developing these molecules, but I've never even talked to the end customer or the end user of these molecules to understand how could I make this even better? So again, uh, took some self-initiative, as you mentioned, and reached out to my boss at the time and said, you know, I'd really like to get in front of the pharmaceutical formulators that are using these products and and better understand. So that way I can be a better innovator. And I moved on to a role that in our company we call technical service, where I spent five years basically 
traveling and visiting pharmaceutical companies across the U.S. Um, to understand their formulation challenges and to help overcome those challenges, either through our products, through our polymers, through the ingredients that we were selling, or sometimes their challenges were process oriented. So how could I improve the process of making tablets or capsules for you, again, using you know, the solutions that, that we have. And so that was an amazing experience. Wow. I have to tell you. Where, where, were some of the, where, where were some of the places that you were able to go and, and travel? Well, so I was covering all of the U.S. and Latin America. So this is where the language skills were quite helpful. That's I awesome. Brazil and Argentina oh. and Colombia, right? And then, you know, for shows and so forth, very often I was sent to Europe as well. So wow. I, I, there was a great deal of fun travel involved with that role, for sure, for sure. That's, and a that's lot incredible. of learning and a lot of learning and really valuable learning because um, research just for the sake of research can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, understanding the real applications of what you're making, that's that's where you create some magic, you know. And um, and so, yeah, coming out of that role, uh, that's where the pivot really happened for me because uh, a marketing director at our company at the time reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you're really getting a good grasp of our customers and you really understand our products and you understand the problems that, you know, we're trying to solve here. You know, would you ever consider a role in marketing? Wow, what an interesting position Paula found herself in when that marketing manager asked her if she wanted to pivot into marketing. That must have been an intense career decision in that moment. I can't wait to see what Paula's answer was, but before we all get to hear her answer, I want to let you know about STEM Music's 12 Days of Christmas. We've created 12 different YouTube videos that feature a STEM activity for each day of Christmas. Be sure to check them out by going to our YouTube channel today. Also, be sure to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so that you can be among the first to see new videos that we will be posting in 2021. I'll be sure to put the link to our YouTube channel in the description of this episode. All right, now let's hear how Paula answered the question posed to her by that marketing manager. Let's go. And I told him, no, you're crazy. I don't even know what marketing is. <laughs> he was like, he's like, no, no, no. Like, I really think you should think about marketing. And at the time, my daughter was five. My son was three. And all I could think to myself was, Paula, you are in no position to go back and try to get an MBA right now. Like, what are you doing thinking about doing business? And I was just so lucky that he was so supportive. He's like, listen, let's start you off in a marketing research role because that's still very analytical, very technical. You're mm-hmm. looking at a lot of data. You're going to feel like you're in your zone, right? Yeah. Um, and while you're doing that, you're going to learn a little bit about marketing. And then from there, you'll progress, right? And so I had a very wise boss at the time who gave me this great advice that I still follow to this day that... Um, it's always worthwhile to look at a role where 
perhaps you already know 40 to 50% of it and you're mm-hmm. learning the other 50%. Okay. So then that way you're always growing, you're always learning new things, but you're also feeling like you're contributing right away and you nice. don't feel completely lost stepping into something that's a hundred percent new for you. Nice. Right. And that's what that marketing research role allowed me to do because exactly as he said, I, the research part was easy. I could do that. And then I was learning the marketing part as I was doing that job, which then led into more marketing, commercial, product management. And now I'm sitting in a you know, global strategic marketing role, um, overseeing you know, how we're setting up the strategy and, and how we're going to grow our whole business uh, moving forward. So that's that's it's so amazing. powerful and thank you for sharing that um you are giving me personal advice and i sometimes that's what i love about this podcast as well it's like i get to hear you know the journey of so many of our guests and i get to try to apply some of that to my own career and so uh stem music nation especially for young professionals who i know are listening to this podcast this is such a great roadmap that has been laid out for us um because what i heard in all of that is one the step, something that's a common theme and thread throughout your, your entire story is the initiative. And I love that. So, you know, the, the, the fact of like your career, no one's going to make your career for you. You have to do it. And so that was a good reminder just for me personally, you know, taking the initiative to say, you know, I'm interested in, in this over here. How might I be able to uh, get to that place? Um, and then what you shared about knowing 50% of it and then, you know, of something that you you do know and 50% of something you, you need to learn. I, I think that's great. It's the first time I actually really heard someone communicate it in that way. Um, so it's really helpful, I think, just for Stim Music Nation, young professionals out there to hear like, okay, there, there are other options that you can uh, go into. But the leverage, I guess, the leverage of you being able to, to do that and take the initiative to ask those questions to your higher ups, bosses, managers, is the experience that you gain along the way. And so um, I love that you're, you highlighted that as well, even with all the traveling that you were doing and it was fun and great, you were learning skills that gave you the leverage that put you in position um, to even be, you know, somebody to reach out to you and say, Hey, would you consider this? So uh, those were all golden nuggets that you just laid out, right? very clearly for, for us and for Stim Music Nation. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and it's really cool to see how you're able to go from the strictly technical engineering background into a business role. I think you just showed a clear picture of how something like that uh, can happen. So thank you for, for taking yeah. us on that journey. Absolutely. And and I may I point out, I, I, I still don't have that MBA. I, I never went back to school for an MBA. That's um, good. And so don't, don't allow, I guess, boxes and, and check boxes to block you from doing something right. Because wow. I'm certainly bringing experience. There's learning that has on the job. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to have a degree tied to it to do it well. You know, that's a really good point too, Uh, man. You're speaking to so much of things that I'm thinking about in my own very career right now. So that's, that's powerful STEM music nation. And you know, that experience on the job training is definitely, definitely valuable. And so, um, man, kudos to you and everything that you've been able to accomplish. Um, I would definitely, uh, recommend some music nation, especially if you're in this area, um, of, uh, of your career, um, or I guess in this area of the industry, chemical engineering, pharmaceuticals, um, t- 
take a peek at some of the patents. I looked at some of them, um, you know, and so it, it's really cool to see the work that you've been able to do. Um, and, and maybe that's something for those of you out there who might be in the chemical engineering uh, career force to in career industry to be able to go and look up, just, you know, see the work that she's done and, and be inspired. So um, a couple things before we get to the music, like we always do, um, you did all of this, your journey. You've done all of this being a Latina. So not just someone who's, you know, who speaks Spanish, is Hispanic, but also a woman. And so I'm interested in how that journey has been for you of maybe possibly being one of the only ones in your uh, research group or in the department in your company. Um, and so how has that impacted your journey along the way? Yeah, I mean, yeah, very often I'm, I'm the only woman in the room. Um, yeah, very often I'm the only Latina in the room and, um, you know, I guess this is where, you know, we can maybe even start talking a little bit about outreach because yes, yes, definitely. again, it, it was that initiative, right? I, it's kind of the, the realization that, you know, I, I had amazing role models in my family, um, but I never really had, you know, a lot of female role models growing up even right and yeah. um realizing that in order for me to create change and to bring more female colleagues into the profession and into you know the these meeting rooms and everywhere where i felt like i was alone i felt like i personally needed to be able to do about it um and that's where i started doing a lot of outreach um and a lot of mentoring um and being that role model for the next generation, even though, you know, being that person that I wish I had had when I was little, you know, I took it upon myself. It, it, it's up to me. It's up to me to change the face and, and the culture of, of the company where I'm working. Right. And so, so that's where I started to do a ton of uh, classroom visits and just getting out there, especially with young kids in elementary school age, uh, getting kids to think of themselves as scientists and engineers and imagine themselves following those types of careers and seeing an example of, of a woman and a Latina yes. accomplishing yes. all those things, you know, and, and that's what really drove me to, to really start doing a lot of the outreach that I do. It's so powerful. And Sim Music Nation, she does a great job. Obviously, the awards that were listed at the beginning are, that's not fluff. That's real work that she has put in over time. And um, even just the statue that I mentioned at the beginning, I was so excited when um, that announcement came out. And I just remember seeing like, you know, scrolling through the Instagram posts where they like were showing all of the statues. And I'm just like, wow, like how how cool is this, um, you know, that young girls and young children uh, can look up to these statues, read about them. And, and the thing I love the most is that like, you're living, you're on the podcast right now. Yeah, and that's yeah. what we need. Don't give the roses after people are gone, do it now and show now that, you know, a lot of times it's just like, oh yeah, George Washington Carver, or oh yeah, uh, you know, this person, that person. It's like, no, let's highlight people who are, who are living, who are doing things, 
who are successful, who've had um, these amazing careers and are still having these amazing careers within STEM, STEAM, all of that. And so you being highlighted as one of them is it's so exciting to see. And um, I definitely want you to, you know, share with uh, STEM Music Nation where they can find you on social media, where they can, you know, you know go to, to be inspired by your story and all of the things that you continue to do in your community in this country, in the world, <laughs> with the STEM advocacy that you do? Sure. Uh, so um, I, I'm relatively new to Instagram, I, I, I have to admit. Um, but within the past year, I, I, my page is at Watch Me STEM. Um, and uh, I've started to just show examples of the things that I do in terms of outreach and um, especially with the AAAS If Then Ambassadorship. You know, um, I don't know if you know the backstory, uh, how the statues came to be, but no, you, you should, know, tell they it. Did you should a share study. that with us. Yeah. Yeah. And so they did a study, and across the top 10 US cities, they identified that there are less than a half a dozen statues of real women in public places. Wow. That's it. And so, um, you know, the ambassadorship, um, it was, is a program that you had to apply to. And, and as part of the application process, they were looking for women that both had STEM backgrounds and they had that passion to inspire more girls to consider STEM careers. And they chose 125 of us. Wow. And um, we do a lot of really cool things, cool outreach, work with a lot of organizations, all kinds of stuff. But what they did is they took the opportunity of having 125 female role models in STEM and uh, they did 3D prints of us like full-size life statues and next year there will be the largest statue display exhibit in the world of the most females in one place at one given time so it's going to be incredible Really that, that's so awesome. I'm so excited for that. And it's, it just means a lot because, you know, I, I always think about this too. It's, it's not just that, you know, young girls will be able to see that because that to me is like the number one thing that that's, that is a powerful, um, those are powerful images and resources and stories that are, are going to help young girls, especially multicultural young girls, be able to see like, oh, this is something I can do, or this is something um, I want to do, and I can gain more access and resources. But even for young boys to see that there are women represented, oh, yeah. you know, I think that's also another side to it that's very oh, yeah. important to uh, allow men and, and young boys to understand that this space is for all, you know? And so yes. uh, I, yes. I, I love that. I love that. It's so powerful. So um, kudos to you for, you know, applying and, and being selected and just all the, even the award you just got. I mean, just, it's so cool to see everything Thank you're doing. Thank you. Thank you're, you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. So we're going to jump into the music, Sim Music Nation, as we always do. And let me tell you, Paula picked some incredible songs that had me like, especially that the, the, the second, third, and fifth had me, you know, just doing a little jig in my seat before the podcast started. <laughs> so uh, the first one you had on the list, so I'll just name the songs. I'll give my three to five bullet points, and then I'll ask you why you chose it as one of your songs uh, for the podcast. So uh, the first song being Bizarre Love Triangle by Frente, the artist. And um, I put Calming, Bizarre, 
And um, I just, the, the line that she kept saying, get down on my knees and pray that you'll say the words I can't say. And um, it's a very interesting song. And because it said um, 90s alternative rock is like what you had put in parentheses, I, I was expecting maybe a little bit more to happen, but it was a very calm song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Um, the, the real reason I chose them is that, um, you know, I am a child of the 90s um, and, um, you know, alternative rock kind of came to 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 play in in that space. And the real reason I, I love alternative rock is is that to me it was the first example of what happens with grassroots movements because alternative rock wasn't being played in the radio because it wasn't like the typical rock that people were used to listening. And um, that's why it was called alternative rock, right? Yeah. And over time it just picked up and you started to hear Nirvana and Foo Fighters and Cranberries and Red Hot Chili Peppers, all of them started to be played on the radio, but it really took that grassroots movement, the, the people to say, hey, like we really like this type of rock. It's a different type of rock, but we like it. And, you know, we want more of it. Um, and that particular song for me, to your point, is is just it falls under alternative rock and it has a very different feel. Yeah. And 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 it's it's very unique. And 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 it's still an artist that no one has probably even heard of, uh, which to me is like the real definition of alternative rock It's like those small artists that that, you know, got played on the radio over time um, because people really like them. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that's what I love about this part of the podcast is like, I get to find songs that I've never heard before. Um, You know, so it's, it's great. And in regards to like you talking about this grassroots movement, the very next song is a part of a genre that very much is the same way that was, I mean, they were not, and even within the black community, like R&B stations were not trying to play hip hop. Like it just was not a thing. And so the same thing, but what a great song you selected, The Rain, Super Duper. Super Fly by Missy Elliott. Oh um, I love I, it. I put iconic, legendary song. I had to watch the music video. So legendary music video with the trash bag suit, you know, yes, like that. Absolutely. And then <laughs> the one line that I put picked from it, which I know a lot of people pick, is beep, beep, who got the keys to the Jeep? Vroom. Like it just, it, it's such a, <laughs> such a powerful and good song. And it, and it also reminds me of I guess the person now who would be in the role is DJ Khaled, but it just reminds me of like the yeah. relationship that Timbaland had with Missy and Aaliyah and all, you know, all these artists, the brat, you know, people who were in that music video that um, uh, it's just a good feeling of like that, that kind of music that was being produced back then. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with everything, but you know, the other thing for me that Missy Elliott really represents is, you know, in that genre, uh, you had amazing artists. You got Snoop Dogg coming out, Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. Jay-Z. I mean, it was amazing. But here comes this woman. Yep. <laughs> and to me, she's like, I, she is to me what Beyonce is to like this younger generation, right? Like she came out, she did her thing. She told her story. Yes. You know, she did not change from her narrative or who she was. And I just loved her I loved her music I loved what she did and she was this woman in in a in a world filled with men doing it you know and and she did it her way she's incredible I love her that's so that's so cool to hear you say that and to to also just agree with that and I think you know 
it's funny, you, you probably remember this moment, but maybe two years ago or three years ago uh, when Katy Perry did the Super Bowl and halftime show and she brought out Missy Elliott and the whole, like this whole Gen X, uh, they, they were like, who is she? Who is? And her like, st- <laughs> her streams of songs went up, albums went up, people were like streaming her music. And it's funny cause it's like, no, she's legit. She definitely deserves to be in a Super Bowl halftime show. And even yes. like, I think a big, another big thing that maybe some people don't know, like her dancing ability. I mean, just like, it, it wasn't just this, the lyrical flow and the, the creative genius of like, you know, putting music together, but like moving, you know, and doing these different yeah. moves. And uh, she's, she's an incredible legend and um, yeah, very, very inspiring and a lot of great songs. Even for me, like watching uh, the Disney channel, um, there was the girl, Alison Mashanka, I think is her name. And she was in the, uh, is she <laughs> yes. work, that little girl, that white girl that was in that little white girl in that, but she was from the Disney channel. And for us, we were like, what? Like she was on this thing called Mike super, uh, super short show. And she'd be like, it's Mike super short show. Da, da, da. And that like, and we're like, that's the same girl dancing in this music video, the way she was dancing. So if, you, if you're familiar with Missy Elliott, you know what video I'm talking about. And that's another fun song that she, she did. So that's um, great. Yeah, that's great. yeah, yeah. This, now the next song on this list, oh, it's probably my favorite on the list. Um, Mark Anthony's song, Vivir Mi Vida, which means to live my life. Um, oh my gosh, this song holds such a special place in my heart. Um, Mark Anthony never needs a comeback. He's an artist that's always there. But if he ever had a comeback moment, it was with this song. And it really, I mean, it took off in so many different ways. I was in college at the time and um, I sent uh, Paula the, the link to the YouTube video. I performed it at like a talent show or something like that in college. And that's when I just fell in love with this song. Um, I put, it has a, a message that I really, you know, it's just to live my life. Like, you know, don't worry, you don't have to cry. You don't have to uh, fear, you know, laugh, enjoy, live your life in the end. Um, he's doing some ad libs. And so the line I put from this song is siempre pa'lante no mira pa' atrás. Like, you know, always go for it. Don't look, you don't look yep. back, you know? And I, I love that sentiment That's right. um, of, of that message in the song. And then the last bullet point was salsa. Like, yes, I yeah. love, I, I, I can, I just know my little one, two, three. I'm not, you know, I'm not an, a, a, a person who's an ace in salsa, but I know my how to move my way around and I love it. Oh my God, I love salsa music, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Latin music, right? I love to salsa, I like the merengue, I'm Brazilian, I love to samba. So yeah, anything with a Latin beat, you, you've got me hooked. But <laughs> for me in particular, yeah, Anthony is the king of salsa. I love his music. And um, this song in particular, it's the same calling that, that you feel, right? Like this, yeah. this optimism, this happiness, this, you know, I'm going to live my life. Um, it's, you know, I, I love that sentiment and it just makes you want to move. So I love that song. Yes. It, it's, it's literally one of my favorites for real, for real. So the next one was a new one for me. Insomnia. Yeah. Insomnia by Faithless. And so I was like, I've never heard this song before. Um, and I see in the parentheses, you know, I promise you've heard this song. You never do the name. I've never heard that song before. 
For um, real? For real, for real. So it was really interesting. I put for my bullet points, um, party rave vibes, like yes. uh, at a rave. Yes. Um, uh, the lyrics, you know, I can't get no sleep, frustrate. And, yeah. and, and it made me think about like, I'm, I'm not an insomniac, but there are times where I, you know, like, oh, I, I just want to go to sleep because either I'm excited about something happening the next day or whatever. And it's like, it's frustrating when you can't sleep. Um, and then this is a music nerd last bullet point that I had, this is the music nerd in me. I don't think it was, you know, produced by, cause I think it might be a little too old to be produced by them, but it could be, I don't know, but it had disclosure vibes and disclosure. Like there's some producers that work with Sam Smith. Um, so that one song, um, latch, I'm latching onto you. Da, da, yeah. Like that song, the, the, beats in there it, it reminded me of this song that I was listening to insomnia by faithless so i was like that's very interesting i, I like that it had that same similar vibe uh, from those producers but um so why did you choose this choose mm-hmm. this song on on your list yeah so i you know i i am as much as i love hip-hop and and you know latin music i am drawn to techno and house and um to me like those are the types of songs, like, they feel like it's just like a never-ending dance party. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, this, and, and this song in particular, I'm surprised you haven't heard it because, um, you know, a lot of people, like, they've heard it, like, either, like, I don't know, like, in movies, like, that that hook, like, like, that is, like, very well known, I feel. Interesting. Maybe I'm just okay, showing okay. my age. No, Maybe I'm just showing but I don't. Age. I don't really typically but, watch that many movies either. So I, I could, you know, I grew up a <laughs> very interesting, you know, childhood growing up to where media wasn't really in my life like that till like late middle school, early high school. So who knows, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like that—that that is like an iconic techno, like chord progression okay okay um you know so a lot of people have never really realized that they know this song but when they hear that they're like oh yeah this is like the techno song you know so gotcha gotcha yeah that's why i picked it cool cool so then the last one on here um and this is why i was like man i i love this part of the podcast because you just i feel like you you get to know the guest better and and it's just like the the gamut of songs like it runs the gamut of like genre and like um so this last song is uh by bad bunny and featuring drake called mia and it's a fun song i actually had heard this one before so it was interesting i was like oh i i had heard this song before um one i put drake singing in spanish is a very interesting (laughs) situation going on there um i love the beat great vibes and a great chorus like memorable chorus um that's fun and obviously the latin influence uh influence um mixed with hip-hop as you said but uh yeah i loved and i love that this was on the list for you because i think it just once again to the point of the statues to the point of your story it just makes it like you know you can be interested in this same type of music you know like the same culture the same and be an engineer you know it's just mm-hmm. it's really cool to see that i feel like that's just a part of helping break the stereotype of what that typically is so why was this yeah. on your list yeah so as you can tell i i really i love music i yes. listen to a lot of different types and styles and genres but um I, this particular genre of like the reggaeton to me it's like why did it take us this long to combine hip hop and Latin music? I yeah. mean, this is magic, right? <laughs> and and like to me, like the, you know, just 
the vibe of it all. And it's, this to me is like the perfect example of why we need more diversity in our lives, right? Like just bringing in different perspectives and different beats and different cultures. And you just end up with this amazing melting pot of, of, in this case, music, you know, but it's, um, it's the beauty. It's the magic that happens when you mix things up together. You know, that's reggaeton for me. Yeah, that's, and it, it is very true. And, you know, just I'm, I'm in the same boat with you in the sense of just being passionate about diversity and specifically within STEM. And um, I think it is a great representation of what can happen. Um, and I, it makes me think of uh, this song called uh, Promise uh, by Romeo Santos featuring Usher. And so, you know, the bachata is like the R&B oh, yeah. of, you know, Latin music. And so the fact that they kind of made this song, you know, R&B legend and a bachata legend. And so the same thing, you know, it was like, why hasn't this happened sooner? Like what, what in the world? Right. <laughs> so it, it, it just shows that the power of, of diversity. So, and even like Drake singing in Spanish, which is why it was a bullet point. Like what, like, where did this go? And I think he, <laughs> he might've done it before with Romeo Santos as well, but yeah, it's a very, very cool thing. So thank you for such a great list of songs and music that, um, you know, it's always fun to listen to these songs and I try to listen to them as close to the podcast episode recording as possible. And so it's fun to like come into an episode, just energized from this music. So <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we are now at our last question. Um, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, it's truly an honor to, to even know you and to be able to talk with you. And so um, you've already been giving so much advice throughout this podcast episode that I know um, in particular young uh, professionals can learn from and really grow. But uh, if you had to give advice to someone who might be interested in STEM, they could already be in their STEM uh, career journey, um, STEM profession. Um, but what advice would you want to leave with someone? It could be a young Latina girl. It could be a broad advice, whatever it is that you want to leave STEM Music Nation with. What would that be? Yeah. So, you know, my number one piece of advice is always just because something feels hard, it doesn't mean that you weren't meant to do it. Wow. Um, because we're we're naturally drawn to the things that come very easily to us. And the world of STEM is just not quite that easy. And there will be problems that are going to be hard to solve. And there will be concepts that are going to be hard to grasp. And some things simply require practice. They require a lot of study. And it's just not going to feel as easy as maybe some other things have felt in the past. It does not mean you weren't meant to do it. You know, it took Einstein 20 years to develop the theory of relativity. Things do not happen overnight in STEM. And so don't expect it to happen overnight for you. It's okay to struggle. It's okay that some things require more work. You were still meant to to have a place in STEM. I just got chills y'all <laughs> like i'm like where were you where were you 10 years ago in my life wow that's that's a really powerful statement thank you so much for sharing that i like i have no lie i literally did just get chills because i i've now you know i have my engineering degree and i'm working in industry and that is so the truth like what you just said is the truth and it's so good yeah. to be able to tell people that up front tell students that and even young professionals up front um, that that's what it is. You know, I, I'm always talking about how when we do STEM activities, 
um, with young children. Um, you know, we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna make these gum drop bridges or do this, you know, roller coaster that's kind of built with Lego pieces or whatever the case may be. And it's gonna be fun. And we'll talk about like the physics behind it or whatever, but it's gonna be fun and yay, fun. And when there's actual like rigor and struggle that is, you know, and so I'm, I'm always trying to, yes, have these fun activities, but also explain, I was, matter of fact, talking to some mentees that I've just been assigned from my alma mater, Wichita State University, who are freshmen in aerospace engineering. And that was one of the things, literally what you just said, and I'm going to share it with them, actually, the way you just explained that, because I think it's so powerful. But that's what I was trying to tell them. I was trying to tell them that it, it's going to be difficult. I don't want you to think that it's going to be a, a cakewalk or something easy. And so I think if more students, especially multicultural students, know that up front and know that specifically what you said, that it doesn't mean just because it doesn't feel good or feel easy it doesn't mean you weren't meant for it I think that is wow what a powerful message thank you so much for sharing that um that's powerful absolutely absolutely my so, pleasure my pleasure I'm, I'm happy to be here so um this has been an incredible conversation that last one actually I'm still thinking about that because I just haven't heard it put in that way um so you got me on that one and I'm, I'm truly inspired by it so this is once again, it's been an incredible conversation. Your uh, career journey has just left us with so much advice. I know STEM Music Nation, you are uh, hopefully uh, gaining something from this and uh, will hopefully be able to apply some of the things that Paula has shared with us uh, throughout this episode. And so um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the STEM Music podcast and bring value to STEM Music Nation. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun and it's just a, a pleasure to, to speak with you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Wow, that last piece of advice is still blessing me. Just because you may be struggling and just because it's hard doesn't mean you aren't good enough and it doesn't mean you don't belong in STEM. That is so powerful. Special shout out to Paula for sharing such good advice on this last episode of season two. I hope you took something from our conversation and I hope that it helps you as you move forward on your journey. Stim Music Nation, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I look forward to season three in 2021. Now, as this year ends, I want to say congratulations for surviving it in the first place. 2020 was a rough year for many of us. But I also want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, as I know these holidays are right around the corner. As you know, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Stim Music and on TikTok at Stim Music Nation. And I'm sure you already know, but for all things STEM music, check out our website, www.thestemusic.com. And until next time, peace. Everywhere we go, call the STEM music.